Welcome to our first podcast uh, recorded on Zoom in these very strange days. Um, today I am talking to uh, someone I know very well. It's my brother, Andy Braidwood. Hello, Andy. Hi, Ali. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, as well as being uh, my brother, uh, we um, share uh, similar tastes in music, and we have, I'm pleased to say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you've also... Um, in recent years, been putting on gigs up in Braemar, uh, which uh, we've written about in Scots Way and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, amazing uh, gigs. Not through any, uh, not through any um, credit to me, but just the 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 acts that we had have all been. They've just been such. Uh, I always it sounds a bit hippie, but they've been really beautiful nights. You know, really lovely, warm receptive crowd and lovely just a really amazing special nights uh, should you explain a little bit further you've got a gallery up in Braemar and uh, during the day yeah. it is a gallery but recently in recent years at nights that you've been putting on these gigs which as you say have been really special evenings mm. um but we thought a uh, as a bit of a tester to see if this actually works um that uh, we'd have a chat about our um some of our favorite records and we're going to uh, have a few parameters here. We're going to talk about 10 albums each that uh, we listen to in our formative years, let's say before we turn 20 or before 1990. Is that what you've done? Uh, I've kept mine all to before, yeah, before the 90s. Well, it's before the 90s for me because that's when I did turn 20. So uh, same type mm-hmm. of thing. We've mm-hmm. kept them all Scottish, I believe. I certainly have. Yeah, yeah, tenuously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've got a few tenuous ones. I've got one very tenuous one. And um, <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we're just going to, and they are the what for me, they're the ones that I genuinely played at the time. In fact, I've even got them uh, sitting here. It's not a case of, you know, later on when I was listening to a lot more music, I was getting into Alex Harvey Band and Rosillo's and, and various other people that I didn't listen to uh, in my teens. Um, uh, so I thought we would stick to the, the records that meant the most of us at the time. Yes, so, it's quite revealing, really. <laughs> you know, it's quite, I've had to be quite uh, uh, honest because they were the ones that, that I was listening to at the time. It's not, oh, no, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Me, me too. Um, we could have, yeah. uh, you could have had a bit of gerrymandering and changed things about a revisionist history. Mm-hmm. But uh, the good mm-hmm. thing about this mm-hmm. is we would both know if we were lying. N- not exactly. You lie. Yeah, you never like that. What are you talking you about? You just want to look cool in front of your friends. Well, yes. So we're in front of each other and we cannot look cool, let's face it. That, that bit, That's... that boat has sailed. Okay, so let's kick off. I'm going to, since you're the, the guest on uh, the show, um, we're going to start off with yourself. So what have you picked as your number one choice of vinyl? I should say mine aren't all albums. There's some EPs in there as well. But uh, what's your first choice? Well, my first choice for me was my most, maybe, it's not to anyone else but me, but my, my most obvious choice, the thing that came to mind for me was the Sonic Flower Groove by Primal Scream, the yep. first Primal Scream album. Um, and there were some brilliant singles before that. And that, I think that one 
can you see that? Yes, we can see it. That that's a uh, that's Imperial, isn't it? Yeah, that's Imperial, which yep. I managed to get quite recently in Aberdeen. So it's dead chuffed about that. But um, if I'm shouting, I've got noise cancelling headphones on. So just tell me if I'm shouting. Okay, now you sound but, fine. Right. So um, Sonic Flower Groove, which uh, yes, I hadn't. At that age, I hadn't heard of the birds. I just hadn't heard them. Just yeah. uh, you know, I was of an age where blah, blah, blah. so this was my introduction into that kind of sound, the the jangly twelve string guitars, and I think seeing them on FSD. Oh yes, absolutely. A, a Scottish uh, program which was on at the time. What would FSD stand for? I had no idea. I'd have to Google that and find out. Yeah, but I it was on, in my memory, it wasn't like a late night thing. It was kind of on six or seven o'clock at night on BBC Two. Would that be right? No idea, Ali. I just, I knew we had a VHS off it and I watched it to death. Uh, it, it was the same episode with um, BMX Bandits were on. Uh, Reagan and the Rockets were on it. Reagan and the Rockets, and yeah. Reagan and the Rockets. And, um, and Primal Scream. And it was the 12-string Rickenbacker, the Jim Beatty oblique Navajo's hat. The whole thing was just so, so cool to me. The lethy trousers, the whole, the whole thing. It was just, uh, it was my, it was my uh, crystallization point to being into that kind of thing. And it's interesting because a lot of people um, really didn't get into Primal Scream until Screamadelica and, uh, and the kind of um, club stuff and, and whatever came after that. But these records are very different. The first two are very different. In fact, the first two are very different from each other. Because one's the I birds think, and then the next one's kind of MC5, isn't it? I think Primal Scream have always been record fans. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Music so. fans. So so they'll do a, you know, an MC5 album or they'll do a Stones album or they'll do a Birds album. You know, it's kind of how they, they did it. They, they almost weren't, uh, it, it was it was music made by music fans, you know. Yeah, they were always kind of magpies yeah. and they went to the record yeah. collection to say, this is what I'm into now. So yeah. exactly, you had your kind of, uh, 60s Rolling Stones records, and then you had your uh, Can record, and all of the mm. you know, they were uh, mm -hmm. very interesting mm -hmm. for that reason, mm -hmm. and I think maybe underrated for that reason because <coughs> people think, oh, they don't do their own thing. They do, but they're just influenced by what they're oh. listening to at the time. And that Birds record, the first one, is amazing. It, what I just looking into it this afternoon when I was thinking about it, I had no idea at the time. It it, it reached number 62 in the UK charts. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's bonkers. Because it probably I, I sold a great... quite a few. Uh huh. I probably would to get there, but you know, it's a. I, I just love all the songs on that. They're kind of, like I say, it's the twelve string Rickenbacker and the. Uh, uh, I don't know. They're, they're that kind of almost thin eighties uh, production on them, you know, which I, I quite like as well. I mean, um, it was you know. Uh, Bobby Gillespie played drums with the Jesus and Mary chain and it came out of that yes. whole, you know, um, a indie, really hardcore indie uh, movement that there was. You were mm -hmm. saying that yeah. a, it reached number 62 in the charts, but you remember mm -hmm. you always had the indie charts in the uh, yeah, that's press right. at that time that's and right. I'm guessing it would have been very high up uh, there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, uh, just when you were mentioning Screamadelica, when that came out, I had 
really no idea what to make of it, you know, because I just, yeah. it was so foreign to me. It was just like, I don't know what this is. I love it now. And, yes. I, you know, I just wouldn't, wouldn't be without Screamadelica at all. But um, at the time, it was just, you know, you've got the first record, you've got Primal Scream, Primal Scream, which is amazing as well to me. And then suddenly, whoa. Uh, curveball, you know. Yeah. But, and it I mean, I know people get... that love those two records that really don't like what mm. they've done since. You know, that was that was their band, that kind of jangle pop, mm-hmm. uh, leather trude uh, band, and mm-hmm. um, with uh, jugs on tambourine. I should mention uh, that as well. Ab- absolutely, you know, absolutely. A very important uh, part of the early sound. This is my uh, Playmobil version. Where's my camera? Excellent. He just Very needs good. a wee tambourine. He does it? indeed. Yeah. <laughs> just needs a wee tambourine. Oh, fantastic! Good, good. No, that's uh, like my, you know, one of my favourite. Um, as you know, my favourite twelve-inch uh, records is um, Velocity Girl. Yeah. You know, well, it's the B-side is Velocity Girl, but I love that record. Just play yeah. that all the time. It's so short, but per- it's just perfect. Perfect pop songs, absolutely. Right, perfect so my. Pop. My uh, yeah. first choice, I am going to go with the mighty uh, Simple Minds. Nice. Nice. And uh, Sister Feelings Call, which I think officially is the fifth album, although it came out roughly about the same time as Sons and Fascination. Uh, Simple Minds right. are a much maligned band, and in some cases, uh-huh. rightly so. Uh, if anyone was aware of their work, got into them roughly about, you know, Belfast Child, Mandela Day, big stadium rock they were kind of uh, the worst aspect of that at that time it seemed you know that charity pop movement that there was going on but if you go to their early um, albums uh, going right back to the late 70s which were almost um, taking European uh, uh, electronica and doing Mm. their own thing with it they're amazing records absolutely incredible Mm. records Mm. And uh, this, I think, was the first one that I sort of got into. And I think it's the one where you they start to move towards that bigger sound, the new Gold mm. Dream, uh, 81, mm. 82, 83, 84 in brackets. And, mm. uh, and then uh, Sparkle in the Rain, and then getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it, it almost kind of imploded in on itself, unfortunately. Mm. And they weren't the only band to do that, I have to say. But they, they did it in some style. Um, I kind of lost. I, I usually give a band maybe one album too much if I really like them. I think I gave them Once Upon a Time and thought, oh, yeah, they're still good. But actually, looking back now, you know, New Gold Dreams, maybe the last time they were really at the top of their game. I bought Street Fighting Years. Well, I don't know if I think I did. I think uh, that was Belfast Child, wasn't it? And uh, then Street Fighting oh, Years really- itself. Really, sort of a bombastic, mm-hmm. like you say, it was all um, conscious, you know, co- uh, you know, um, uh, politically led and so forth. That was, and just they sad. just banged up the, the the production on it way too much because mm-hmm. when you listen mm-hmm. to these early albums like Sister Feelings Call and Empires and Dance, which has got the brilliant I Travel on it, and then you get Love Song. These oh, are yes. amazing mm-hmm. songs, um, mm-hmm. which are actually very fragile and and a. You know, for, for guys from like Kermanet and Tory Glenn to be making this music is, mm. was exceptional. Mm. 
just quite incredible. Is Derek, uh, is Derek Forbes playing the bass on that one? He, I believe Derek Forbes was playing the bass mm, on mm, that one, yeah. Because yeah. um, you've got the song The American, which is, I think is where I first heard them, probably on the mm. radio, on Radio Clyde or mm. Radio Scotland or whatever, mm. was the song The American, which uh, has got the mm. fantastic bass line it's in brilliant. it. Yeah. And um, yeah, this, so it's, this is a very uh, important record to me. And um, I, think I remember it well. Probably... Mm. For me, Simple Minds at the height of their powers, personally. They would go on to mm -hmm. big hits and stuff like that and sell out uh, mm -hmm. much bigger places. But uh, this is when they were at their most interesting. And just before they went uh, into the the proper pop phase. The, the beret with the, the badge on it and the tight trousers. Yeah, a lot the, of blues on this, action going there's on. There's a lot, a lot of nice blouse. And, and very, very, he looked a bit like a Shakespearean... Actor, yeah. you know, he should have had a skull yeah. in his hand at one point, Jim. Kerr. <laughs> I've seen yeah. Simple Minds live many times, and uh, cracking mm. front man, Jim Kerr. It's super. You can't, no, you can't, you can't knock it, really. No. But no, it was, you it could was knock off some time. of it, <laughs> but no, it was much of its time. And they changed as a lot of other bands did when they became huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, number two for you, Andy, what have we got? I'm just going to choose another one at random. I've got my list of 10 here, but they're not in any order. And I'm sorry if it goes... I, I don't know if we double up because we haven't spoken about this. No, we could do. That would be interesting. I, I will say um, Hats by the Blue Nile, ah. the second album. Mm. Now, right. before you get on to it, I, uh, yeah. most people that know me know that Hats is my all-time favourite record. I've banged about on it in other places uh -huh. enough yeah. and I've written about it. And uh -huh. uh, I thought, I'm not going to do that because I have spoken about Hats enough. It is the record that I have given more people than anything yes. else, you know, than anything else. So, oh, you want to hear something new? Try this. And now I think hopefully the world knows it. But so why do you love Hats? Because it is my favourite album. Well, well, first of all, when I was looking at the, the sleeve notes and stuff today, I didn't realise it came out in 89. 89? I, I, thought, I thought it was mid... I don't know why I thought that. but And I thought it was the first record, you know? I don't know why I thought that either, just because it's... I just love the sound of it. It is... Um, it surely walk so across. Quite, did you not know walk across the rooftops was the first one? I didn't. No, I didn't know that. I, okay. No, no, I didn't know. Um, but this one, because I think because you had it maybe, and then it was actually a, a person we know quite well, Gavin T, mm -hmm. uh, sent me a, a, a radio plum uh, mixtape or mix CD. Yeah. Um, and it, it had. This, this was the opening, uh, Over the Hillside was the opening tune on this mixtape and uh, it just stayed with me, that sound. I don't know whether it's a Lindrum or whatever it is, it's this very, very stripped back sound, very atmospheric and uh, I, it's just one of those albums that you just like to exist in that space for, yeah. uh, however long it is. It's, uh, 38 minutes and 20 six seconds it says it's, it's a work of art um, from beginning yeah. to end no doubt about yeah that. yeah and it's just one of those things you just like to there's very few albums that i would put on and then you have to listen to the whole thing you know the KL, yeah. klf chill out would be one of those you know you just don't touch it just leave it alone uh that's one of those albums for me um i think i'm yeah. just thinking actually because you might not believe it listeners and viewers, but there's three years between the two of us. So I guess when uh, Walk Across the Rooftops came out, and I'm going to talk a little bit about at least one of the songs from that later, 
Um, I would be 13, I think it was 83. Um, so you would have been 10, so probably you wouldn't have been putting necessarily have listened to that weird stuff that was coming out. Because there was a big hiatus, wasn't there? They kind of, they went to record the new album. Yeah, and they just, they couldn't, they couldn't get it together or whatever it was. Seven years, I think, between, so that means 83 and 89, Uh so that would be it. And then, of course, they went on to be known for these huge gaps between their, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all brilliant records. I think all of the Blue Nile records are brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I, th- I think he talks about them being uh, more like um, novels. He, uh, Paul, uh, the singer. Bob, Paul Buchanan. Correct me, Ali. Paul Buchanan. Um, I've heard him talking about these as, as existing like novels, you know, and, and they're, they're each one is its own entity and so forth. And I just, yeah, really like that. So that was my, I, I, that's my... What a choice. What a fine choice. My I, I one, thought you might have chosen it, but... Yeah, well, I was going to, but as I say, I've done... Uh, uh-huh. a, a last year I was on uh, Postcards from the Underground Radio state show and uh-huh. I spoke to uh, um, Gary and Mark about uh, hats and raved about it. And any time anyone has me on a mm-hmm. show, I mm-hmm. usually do it. So I thought since I'm on my own, I would uh, allow someone else to talk about it. Nice, yep. okay, uh, nice cool. coughing in the sleeve up there. I enjoyed that. I've been reading the, I've been re- I've been watching the public information films. So next up for me, mm-hmm. Sulk by the Associates. Nice, yes, very nice. Yeah. So again, a bit like the American. Look, we've spoken about this before. Um, radio was a big part in us growing up. Where we we took music in. You know, the radio was always mm-hmm. on. Either we yeah. listened to it ourselves or in the kitchen or whatever. And there were certain songs that came on that just, you know, blew your mind. And I think seeing uh, the associates on top of the pops doing Party Fears 2 was one of those occasions. And then you learnt they were from Dundee. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's one thing saying, uh, well, Simple Minds are from the south side of Glasgow, but for me to, to hear mm-hmm. this noise and these guys, um, Alan Rankin and of course, Billy McKenzie, um, uh, playing this bizarre, uh, Art, pop, really, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was incredible. And, you know, you had people dressed uh, as uh, in Chinese robes and um, mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of things going on. And his voice, was of that, course. Was that the one he had the, um, he had like a captain's hat on or something, like an air, airline captain's hat? There is a bit where he, he, he's dressed as an airline pilot. Yeah. I mean, now yeah. he's an incredibly good looking man as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both mm-hmm. were, uh, but, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I just he seemed so delighted to be where he was, you know. That's, he just, that's right, yeah. yeah of course he would be miming. We know we know he would be miming at the top of the box, but he mm. just seemed so delighted just to be doing this. As always like mm. this is the best joke I could ever play on anyone. And sulk mm. the so after listening to Party Fears 2, I went out and uh, got a Sulk, which was their um second album, I believe. I think the affectionate punch was the first one. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just full of great songs like Club Country. Um, and I think I'm right in saying it was um, the Melody Maker album the year in 82 or 83. I should have looked that up beforehand. But it was, you know, that's how big an album it was in terms of critically. Mm-hmm. People just right. adored this record and adored the associates. And again, a bit like Sister Feeling Skull with Simple Minds, I don't think they ever quite got as... Uh, 
great again as they did with Silk, but um, a terrific record to check out. Um, you know, any pop music fan should do that. Um, okay, uh, we're only a couple of <laughs> albums in, Andy, so let's crack on with your number yeah, a bit three. Of My number three would be uh, Days in Europa by The Skids. Oh, classic. Uh, it's, oh, it's the first Skids record I ever bought. And I bought the one with the black cover, if you know the album, and there's a couple sitting at a table uh, because of the, there was a controversial um, cover with the Aryan, you know, the Olympic. The Olympic oh, that's right. Uh, it was very, very, uh, uh, you know, like the, the sort of Aryan. Like in a Hitler Youth uh, athlete. Athlete on the, on the front, so we got rid of that. And they, anyway, that was uh, recorded at Roxfield Studios and the Manor Studio. I just found out today, so that is an incredible. Two, two of the, the iconic studios, um, Rockfield in Wales and um, uh, Richard Branson's um, Manor Studio. Oh, right. Um, so they were, they were out know, among the big boys even back then. Well, Bill, uh, Bill Nelson produces it. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, I don't know who had the Evo first, but uh, certainly Bill Nelson was using the Evo which is a wee electronic device. If for people that don't know, it's a it's a wee electronic device that makes the guitar string vibrate and it gives you a sustained sound, rather like you were bowing the the instrument. So uh, he's there's definitely. I mean, for people that know Skids and Stuart Adamson, uh, Stuart was a massive uh, bebop deluxe fan. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, and also a Nils Lofgren fan. Ah. Aye, aye. So are you uh, suggesting that uh, Stuart Adamson pinched Bill Nelson's Ebo? He might have pinched his Ebo. Um, I don't know. And I history don't know. Was made. Um, I think he'd maybe gone, oh, I guess I'd go with that. But um, no, I don't know. But uh, anyway, this, this it, to me, was a kind of proto, proto big country sound, obviously. And uh, I just loved that record because it was so. Uh, I just came charging out of the thing with animation, charade, and uh, uh, days in Europa, peaceful times, all these kind of things. But these kind of almost boys' own, uh, boys' own type lyrics, kind yeah. of commando comic kind of lyrics. Absolutely, you know, it's all I think about, that's absolutely right. Yeah, you know, marching on, and uh, I think a lot of the imagery came from reading commando comics and 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 certainly first world war imagery and all that kind of stuff so so it was it, it was good as a as a youngster of maybe i don't know ali uh 12 or 13. yeah and maybe yeah i think i would have been uh, but also that, that, uh, these were they were young guys themselves so you know they're uh they were really young yes yeah and that's what i mean yeah. so their influences yeah. probably would have been that sort of thing yeah yeah no definitely i mean that's what i like about them and um and uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I liked Jobo's lyrics. You know, I, I, they're, they're kind of, you have to kind of try and unpick them. And I'm not sure. I don't think he's even sure nowadays. When yeah, I've heard people talk about them. He says, I don't really know. You know, they were just, you know, sounded good. Well, they sounded good together sometimes. You know, but sometimes there were themes. But I, I really enjoy the lyrics. And uh, and of I, course I like they were. Uh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I like the lyrics that are not too described. You can kind of hang your own interpretation onto them. That's, I've always enjoyed that about all, well, all the bands I like. that leads very nicely into my next band. So, uh, Skids um, from Dunfermline. And the nice thing is here is that we're moving around the country. 
and I'm going to go for Grangemouth's finest and the Cocteau Twins. Oh, now th this yeah. is not an album; it's an EP. It's the Spangle Maker Stroke Pearly Dewdrops Drop um, EP, which was the first record of the Cocteau Twins I got, mm -hmm. um, and was just mind blown by this. Again, sound coming out of somewhere that I didn't even know where Grangemouth was at the time, you know, but mm -hmm. uh, to have. A singer like uh, Elizabeth Fraser and the sound that Simon Guthrie, not Simon Guthrie, is it? it is Simon Robin Guthrie. Guthrie, Robin Guthrie and Simon Robin, Raymond. right, okay. okay. A classic, uh, uh, for me, the classic Cocteau yeah. Twins lineup. And they were just making this ethereal uh, music yeah. Um, yeah. that you didn't quite know how to, again, hang, you could hang anything you wanted on it because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was a mixture of, of language and noise and all sorts of things. I was thinking about the Cocteau Twins while, as we were, you know, talking about doing this, and what a run of albums they had in the 90s. It was just incredible. Um, a, from Garland's right through to um, Heaven or Las Vegas, there was about six or seven albums that are just all essential records and all in that, in the, in the 80s. There's a fantastic album that they did with Harold Budd. Yes. Um, the Moon and the Melodies, I think it's called. And it's just astonishing. But yeah, I think, again, when you find records that the sound is like, you can't go, oh, that's a that's a drummer, a bass player, and a guitar player, right? Okay, and that's good. But when you get a record, you just haven't a scooby what the, what, what's making the sound. I mean, the Cocteau Twins records just came tumbling out of the speakers and you didn't know what was going on, you know? That, that, you know, all my favorite records, I think I like that, you know? Okay, what are your next favourites? Let's keep going. Okay, I'm going to go for uh, Heartland by Runrig. Way. There you are now. Because uh, at the time, I think somebody just said, you know, I think you'd like Runrig because they're, you know, it's the kind of sound you like and it's and it's the sort of rock guitars. Again, Was it you like Big Country, therefore you like Runrig? Was that the conversation? Yeah. That's, that was basically, so many people said that to me and said, do you know what, that doesn't really, it doesn't really um, compute to me. But this particular album, it's the only album I ever bought by, by Runrig and, uh, in 1985's Heartland. And uh, it's just a really beautiful sounding album. You know, they've obviously spent a lot of time in the arrangements and uh, the, the, the production. And um, I just love it. And even, even, you know, the Gaelic songs, again, no idea what it's about, but... Um, they give you a clue. Sometimes they give you the title with, you know, with an English description. But there are this. I believe this was the first album they did with some English songs on it as well, right. some English language uh, uh, songs on it as well, like the Everlasting Gun and the Dance Called America. Um, but and I think also at that time I was doing a lot of. It would have been thirteen, fourteen, so I was doing stuff. Sort of, outward bound holidays and stuff like that. It kind of went with all that imagery of going up the West Coast and wistfully looking into the distance and feeling the soil. Do you think that they know? maybe kind of critically suffered against Clannad in particular, that they were doing something mm -hmm. similar in Irish music, you know, and, and mm -hmm. uh, actually I always felt that uh, certainly they weren't critical darlings, put it that way. You know, no, not that I they mean, should no. be, not that that's important, but uh, I always felt Runry got a bit of a hard time. Well, it was almost like being a, a Gaelic prog band. I mean, how more uncool could <laughs> you, you, you get, you know? But I just, yeah, it appealed to me, you know? Uh, 
Well, going from the, the home of the Gales back uh, to somewhere closer to both of us as uh, youngsters, it's, and I've talked about this album before, but I just have yes. to mention it again. It's East Kilbride's Finest. Highland, Hard yeah. Rain, East Kilbride's Finest, just 10 minutes oh. up the road no. from us yeah. uh, when we were kids. Actually, I'll, I'll argue that point with you later. What, do you think we were? <laughs> argue it now. <laughs> oh, Jesus and Mary chain, surely. Oh, well, finest, I see what you mean. No, no, no. Yes, uh -huh. I get what you're, yes. Uh -huh. Okay, I thought you were going to say that we lived further away. Um, no. Anyway, my, I, my, I have a love affair with Roddy Frame, and I could have chosen other albums, but it always, for me, comes back to the debut, Highland, Hard Rain. Um, I think it was released in 83, again. Great year for pop music. And... Um, he, but he'd been around before then, he'd been with Postcard and he'd uh, released a couple of singles when he was like 16, 17 years old. What, so, solo or uh, as, as Aztec? As Aztec Camera, yeah, yeah, just like Gold and We Can Send Letters were on uh, Postcard Records. Right. And, uh, and then uh, we've got um, Highland Hard Green comes out and again, the importance of a standout single, which was uh, Oblivious. Of course, it still gets played mm -hmm. all over the place to yeah. this day. It's an absolute Scottish classic. But the album is incredible from start to finish. And he's my favourite guitar player. I don't have, you know, I'm not really into my guitar players, but in terms of mm -hmm. someone I want to sit and listen to play guitar, Roddy Frame would certainly be there. And, and he still plays live now and, and is as incredible as ever and plays these old songs and plays new songs. And his recent songs are as good as his early stuff, but what it was all there at the beginning. He always writes songs about love, basically, even called an album love. And it's either about being in love or having lost love, or you know, that's that's what he writes about. He's an utter romantic, and it, his music's fantastic because of it, I think. Also, he was one of those guitarists who could really, really play, but quite often the song wouldn't demand that there was a big uh, woodly guitar yeah. part in it so he would just not do it and that's fine but when he when he i mean there's amazing parts in uh, there's somewhere in, in my heart yeah there's a fantastic uh guitar part at the end of that a uh, a bit like johnny marr he could play incredible guitar mm. but often mm. chose not yeah. to he didn't need to show off he, this wasn't about showing off it was about the guitar that fitted the song yeah. at the time yeah and yeah. I love that love album. Really. That, I was going to pick that one, but I just it always mm. comes back to Highland Hard Rain uh, for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. I think we're on to number five, Andy. What have you got for us? Oh, gosh, we better, we better crack on then, eh? Um, right, so I was thinking, oh, how many Scottish people could I, could I get? And there was, this album popped up, which is one of my favourites back in the day. And it was, it's a, an album by uh, Robin Williamson and his merry band. Excellent. It's not... Not what Robin Williamson solo, but it's Robin's solo and his merry band, and it's called American Stonehenge, and it's it, it it's like a beautiful time capsule of it, it's kind of folky, but there's it, 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 I don't know how to best describe it. it came out seventy eight. It was written in seventy seven, okay. and uh, it, it I don't know. You just best go and listen to it. it, it, it you know, it's. So you should say he was in the Incredible String Band, wasn't he? He was in the Incredible String Band. He apparently he arrived on the folk scene as a fully formed beatnik 
brilliant at guitar, brilliant at songs. Again, a kind of child it. prodigy, wasn't he? He was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he arrived and everywhere, and he was just like, wow, who is this guy? Yeah, who's that guy? You know, because he could he could play everything, he, and um, and then they went on to do the yes, the incredible string band, and um, but I I, I like the incredible string band stuff, um, and I have a lot of it, but I really enjoy his solo work. Um, and uh, and and the work with the uh, his merry band, who uh, are Sylvia Woods and Chris Caswell and Jerry McMillan. Um, uh, yeah, they were in very important musicians because they, in turn, eventually, because you know during the eighties, mm-hmm. folk music, as far as I was aware, wasn't doing much uh, in in Scotland mm-hmm. anyway. You know, it was really yeah. uh, sidelined. But these musicians, their, their music endured and then went on mm-hmm. to influence like Trembling Bells and Ali Roberts mm-hmm. and, uh, and many of this. St- and now, of course, Scottish folk music and UK folk music is just incredible and doing amazing things. And it's all in there. It's all going back to a lot of that stuff that was happening in the 70s. And these guys were hanging about with, um, you know, the, the poets and the writers and the comedians even of the day, if you go to exactly. like, Connolly and, and all that lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, all this stuff got uh, uh, re-editioned on C- CD, sort of late 80s, early 90s. So there was a whole new audience. They stuck on different covers, obviously, just keeping them more up to date. And uh, and the music is timeless. You know, when you listen to it, you think that there's a couple of ones that are slightly funk influenced, and that sounds a bit odd, but uh, it's enjoyable. You know, it's sort of Funky folk, if you will. Funk fusion. Funk fusion, man. And um, but this one was recorded in California, and it is very Californian. Uh, oh, was it? Okay, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's it, it's a beautiful thing. It came out. Well, there's a re-release in 2006, as, as, as recently as that. But at that point, I was buying up all his stuff because I couldn't get enough of it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's and not introduced. Uh huh. I was just saying it was it was all the guys at Peacock Printmakers in Aberdeen that introduced me to um, Robin Williamson and all that because they were all playing it, and I thought, what is this? You know, I'd never heard of it. Which introduced me to uh, John uh, John Renborn and um, Bert Jansch and all these people. So that was that was an education in more ways than one. Well, even you know, if anyone has never gone and listened to it, if you go back to the Scottish folk music of the seventies in particular, but probably earlier as well, it's ama- there's some amazing music there. Even like the early albums of um, the venerable Barbara Dixon before she became the third Ronnie. Indeed, um, Indeed. a fantastic, Indeed. you know, amazing singer, yeah. and uh, really worth checking out. And you can hear what she's recently got. She's recently gone back to her um, folk roots. Yeah, she's a great singer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. a band we've already mentioned for me, and I've mentioned many times, but it's the Blue Nile, but it's the 12-inch of Tinseltown ah, Rain. Yes, indeed. So, um, which is on uh, Walk Across the Rooftops album, but this, again, Ports of Radio, I first heard on Tom Ferry's show. I can remember hearing it for the first time on the radio, Tom Ferry's um, Radio Scotland show between 10 mm-hmm. and midnight, and just mm-hmm. going, what the hell is this? this is incredible and it just made an immediate connection with me as a song mm-hmm. that I would I almost knew at that time I'm going to carry this for the rest of my life it was incre- it wasn't like mm-hmm. anything I'd ever heard before 
if I was still harboring feelings towards kind of the metal side of life, they went because I went, no, this is the stuff I want to listen to. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then not long after, I went out and got the the um, album. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so Tinsel Town in the Rain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and hey, there's a red car in the fountain. It's just, it's an iconic song for anyone who knows it. And mm-hmm. uh, still I play it regularly as much as I can. But So this was my first introduction to the Blue Nile, my favorite right. band, yeah. Hat's my favorite album, but this is where it all started mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Ferry on a weekday night. And I believe that Lynn Electronics uh, put up the money. To, they wanted, because their sound gear is like some of the top sound gear ever, yep. they wanted to record this almost as a, a, a test record for the, to show how good their gear was. I believe that's where the financing I, for them. I think the that album. might be a little bit mythologised. Right. Um, having read the Alan Brown uh, biography on it, I think uh, mm-hmm. there's not, it's not quite as simple as that, but it's a good story. Mm-hmm. It's a great story that that's, you know, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. need a record mm-hmm. that's going to make our hi-fi equipment sound as good as possible. Mm-hmm. What have you got? Mm-hmm. Well, we've got these songs. Because they're crystal, I mean, crystal clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the production and everything on them is, is quite mm-hmm. uh, astonishing. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, let's go into the second half of our choices. What you got next? Right, right. back in black. Yay! <laughs> the Young and Brothers. Then, uh, d- 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 yeah, because the Young Brothers are Scottish, aren't they? Yes, they are. Um, and there's not, you know, if you need explained why Back in Black is one of my favourite records, Ali, uh, there's just not a bad song on it. It's yeah. just, it's the ultimate car album, you know, stick it on and off you go. Um, well, it, I mean, ACDC was certainly one of my first bands that I thought they are my band. They were just quite an incredible um, uh, sound. And, you know, uh, you, you could, well, if you wanted to use labels, yes, they're heavy metal, but it's just rock and roll and just really loud. Mm-hmm. And if you see yeah. any of the live footage from that time, mm-hmm. quite an astonishing mm-hmm. band. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't actually have much to say about it. It's just a fantastic start to finish as, as, as a... A hard rock album. If I was only allowed one hard rock album, I think it might well be mm. Back in Black. I think that might be uh, a, a, close, a close, uh, close toss up between that and uh, Led Zeppelin One. Well, yeah, uh, you might have a point. Um, okay, mm. well, this is kind of which is what I get a little bit uh, uh, not controversial, controversial. a little bit pushing the uh, envelope for what we're calling Scottish, but it's talking heads right. and it stopped making sense. Right. Yeah. So of course, uh, David Byrne was born in Dumbarton. I believe so. Know that. And mm-hmm. Tina Weymouth is from Faithley. No, she's not. I'm joking. I didn't know clearly that, no. joking about that. Ah, ha, ha, touche. But uh, the, this I got uh, when it came out, I think I got it for Christmas and Played yes, it yeah. and played it and played it and just thought it was incredible. Um, it was pretty much my introduction to Talking Heads. I'd heard a couple of tracks, but this was mm-hmm. the one that I absolutely fell in love with the band. And again, yeah. and I just thought, yeah, they belong to me. Or, you know, people, if you don't like this record, I might not like you, that sort of thing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, then you had Jonathan Demi's film that came along with it, which had the band all coming on stage and David Burns' huge suit 
Um, but it was all about the songs, and the songs are amazing. Um, and I think it's my favourite live album. Uh, there's lots of great... People say there's no such thing as a good live album. There's lots of great live albums. But this, I think, would probably be my favourite. Uh, Talking Heads and Stop Making Sense. And I'm going to claim it for Scotland right here and right now. Hey, Andy, I'll jump to your next. Well, here's one for you. Ah! Oh, you're fantastic. <laughs> right. Oh, that's made me smile. And, yeah, well, I know there's, you know, there's, there's records that they brought out earlier that were probably more of a, more popular and more synth-based uh, and all that. But this one, for me, was the one that I listened to the most. And it's, and it's lots of... Uh, so for those only listening to the podcast... What is it? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. For people in audio, yeah. I am wa- I'm waving at the screen here. Um, uh, Eurythmics Revenge yeah. on vinyl. and um, I, I think that's like, when their songs were getting better and better, the actual songs themselves. Well, you had um, Thorn in My Side and Missionary Man and all that kind of stuff. Um, and some of the slower songs I really liked. I think I was getting hormonal or something like that by that point in my <laughs> life so i like i liked all the kind of slow love songs on that one um and the kind of yearning uh that's on it as well so i liked i liked that a lot i played it a lot I had it on cassette i've only just bought that quite recently and um uh, yeah i felt it has that got you have placed the chill in my heart on it i don't think it does I oh doesn't it? that's one of my favorites but yeah maybe the one after that to be honest but i do think that's when uh, although a lot of people prefer their kind of early uh, ones, this was uh, uh, when things were. Uh, it was a bit like the Simple Mind stuff earlier on. They were yeah. getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Production on this is pretty pretty big, and yeah. uh, like I say, the the slow kind of ballady love songs are. I really like them on that. Okay, brings a well, tear to me eye. It's me. Well, this brings a tear to my eye. This is um, mm-hmm. the Mighty Water Boys. And oh, this nice, is yes, right. the sea. Uh, I think the, the the classic for me the classic lineup of the Waterboys, although they've been through many 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 lineups of uh, Mike Scott, Anthony Thistlesway, and Carol Wallinger, who went in to do uh, World Party. Uh, mm-hmm. The Waterboys, when they started, they had this idea of the big music. They even had an EP called the Big Music, and um, and I think it influenced. Um, Simple Minds and influenced you too as well. Um, some might say not for the better, but uh, uh, this idea that the, the, uh, there was a, um, more to music than just in a studio, that there was connections. We know Mike Scott is a bit of a, a hippie and, you know, and, and uh, after This Is The Sea, we'd go on to do Fisherman's Blues and uh, the kind of raggle-taggle gypsy phase of his uh, career. But the, the three albums for me that the favourites are The Waterboys, the debut, Pagan Place, incredible record, second one. And then this was the end of that kind of cycle, if you like. And this is the sea. And with just stunning songs on it, like Old England and This is the Sea. And songs that actually do get me quite emotional listening to them. They did back then and Mm -hmm. they still do now. And I think Mike Scott is an incredible songwriter. But those three musicians are uh, stunning. But I bet, were you ever a a Waterboys Fan in no, I, I missed it at the time. I've since went back and, and listened to them, yeah. Yeah, but I, no, I, I missed it, Ali. I mean, I've I knew, seen I a fan of, of, of Waterboys. And, uh, in fact, I was thinking about when I first saw them live. 
And how about this for a lineup? It would have been one of the big Simple Minds concerts in 86 at Ibrox. Mm. And it was Inchunure, mm. Hipsway, The Water Boys, The Cult, and then Simple Minds headlining. Wow, wow. Uh, what a night. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what I remember is that there's loads of cult fans who all left before Simple Minds came on because they didn't really want to hear Simple Minds. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Water Boys. Cool. Uh, if, you, if you only had one Water Boys record to get, I would say get uh, This Is The Sea. Okay, let's crack yeah. on, Andy. We're doing good. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, Sunshine Superman, the very best of Donovan. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I mean, again, because... an underrated musician, I think. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, famously bangs on about teaching John Lennon how to play the claw. Um, if you ever <laughs> see that, that's I missed story. that. But I met him, I met him and uh, he signed my book. I went to see him live and um, when he signed my book, he seemed a very, very lovely uh, guy. Um, and that, for me, when I was just about to leave school, I thought I was into Donovan. I didn't know Dylan at all, couldn't get... I didn't. I didn't get Dylan, but yeah, until later. But Donovan was was my uh, guy going up to art school. I thought that was. Uh, I loved. I loved the kind of the surreal nature of the songs. Also, the kind of you know, kind of whimsical. You know, whimsy. Did we say yeah. whimsy? Yeah, uh, that kind of thing. And uh, and I still listen to it quite regularly. I've got the best of Donovan tucked in under where I'm sitting just now. Actually, yeah. I only found out recently that Jennifer Juniper was written about mm. Jennifer Boyd, who's the sister mm. to Patty Boyd, who had right. uh, Layla and something mm -hmm. and, you know, various songs written about her. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, wow. yeah, that's um, yeah. a little bit of triv. I'll tell you something else. Our mutual friend, yeah. uh, Colin Johnson, once met Donovan. Yes. He was, yeah. Colin worked in the casino. He went to serve it's a table. Donovan. And, and sitting, yeah. at, no, no, sitting at the table was Donovan, Sean Ryder and Jim Watt. Wow. I think this is right. You'll read, if right. I made this up, he'll read. And what a strange uh, table of people. But it turned yeah. out that uh, Sean Ryder, I think, was briefly uh, engaged. I don't think married right. engaged to Donovan. The, yeah, Donovan. there was a thing, wasn't That's correct, yeah. Right. And so I don't know why Jim Watt was there, but uh, anyway, that was a, that's always stuck in my mind about a strange uh, table of people to go over to. But I think that's Donovan, yeah. Like, Made some incredible like records and became a bit of a kind of uh, not a figure of fun, but uh, I'd say that whole folk and hippie thing just wasn't really that big till until later on in the eighties when the Mondays and and uh, the Stone Roses and very you know the baggy movement started to reclaim a lot of the psychedelia yeah. of the sixties and seventies, uh -huh. and then it Drake and all that kind of came in. But it's it was very very easy to kind of lampoon that kind of stuff because it was. So like Hardy Gifty Man and Mellow Yellow and stuff, and it's really easy to take the pee out of it. But yeah. it's cracking stuff. And um, Triv again, uh, Jimmy Page plays on a lot. Of, he, he was he was the uh, gun for hire on a lot of those uh, Donovan records. He was very well connected, no doubt. Mm. Mm. Okay, my uh, number eight choice. So we're getting there, Andy. Um, and good, it's good. win. Uh. This is like a time trip for me because I've seen all these records I haven't seen for about 35 years. It's quite funny. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Well, I was, I've kept uh, yeah. all the vinyl. I've kept it all. Uh, and yeah. first, I, so when we basically had moved on from uh, the fire engines, Davy Henderson was in the fire engines, and oh, yeah. then he started yeah. Wynn. Um, there was a 
single that came out from the fire engines called An American Broadcasting, which was very punky, um, very much like the fire engines sound, uh, which was the sound of kind of run records in uh, Edinburgh Fire Records, um, a raw. And then it's also a version of it's also on A Tears Baby, um, and it's really poppy because this is an album and Wynn were a band where he was trying to make it as poppy as possible. Um, he had, you know, Super Popoid Groove is one of the names of the songs. Shampoo mm -hmm. Tears, another uh, cracker. And of course, You've Got the Power, which was used mm -hmm. by McEwen's Lager um, in their advert about, you know, the Escher thing and rolling <laughs> up the hill and really Absolutely. odd advert. If you've never seen it, Google McEwen's Lager, You've Got the Power, and you'll see one of the strangest Lager adverts you'll ever uh, see. But this was a great record. And it, Again, kind of, it was the one that made me really fall in love with um, uh, proper pop music, art pop music. Going back to um, the Associates, it was there, and it's something that I've kind of always carried through. I've, I'm a big fan of uh, of pop music when it's done when it's a bit weird and a bit odd, mm -hmm. and few yeah. people do that better than uh, than Davy Henderson, I have to say. Right. And he, he went, we'd gone to do like the Nectarine number nine and sexual objects, and they're still playing now. And he looks ridiculously young, he looks the same age now as he did when he was in Wind and, and uh, the fire engines. Yeah. But, um, uh, he, yeah, I'll check out um, the work of Davy Henderson and particularly Wynn because it's superb. Mm -hmm. Okay, Andy, we're down there to number nine. Number nine, mine is uh, Darklands by the Jesus and Mary uh, Chain. People will be going, when are you going to mention the Jesus and Mary Chain? And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and of because, course we were going to mention it. Because that's, uh, I had the first, uh, the first record, Psycho Candy, and uh, I liked that too a lot. And I really liked, there was a record called Barbed Wire Kisses, which was B-sides and things like that. Which is actually my favourite Jesus and Mary Chain album. That's the one I really uh, like. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. No, that's rubbish. Throned and, uh, oh, God, what's it called? Stoned and Dethroned. Right. That's my favourite. When Jesus was that? Mary, you know? When was that? Yeah, but that, that was yeah. uh, later. Right. Can you know what you're saying? Well, this, this one I'm going to check that out. Yeah, no, this, this is my um, favourite one. Unfortunately, Bobby Gillespie's not playing the drums on this, but they, yeah. they, they went over to Drum Machine, I think, for this one. And uh, it's a bit more, uh, to my ears, it's a bit more melodic than the first one. There's less, it's, it's less aggressive sounding, which I know a lot of people thought that was, the point. you know, they'd kind of taken the edge off the sound, but I, I actually like the sound of this yeah. record. And it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I so think, again, it's, it's, a, it's a band getting more confident in themselves. Another yeah. um, East Kilbride Boys, I remember seeing Absolutely. going up the escalator in the plaza. Aha, uh -huh, I saw him in the plaza once, and uh, the big hair. Yeah, but the big hair, yeah. That's where they used mm. to hang out, of course. Yeah. And uh, it is Stones and Dethroned. I thought for some minute I'd had a brain fart, and that was the wrong uh, name of the album. Right. But that, okay. that one, that's a, a later record, and uh, it's why I haven't ch chosen to speak about Jesus and Mary Chain, because I kind of knew you would. Okay. Well, I just like, I like a leather trouser, you know that, Alex? Well, I know you were inspired to, to wear a leather trouser by uh, your band. Like Which leather, came first, the trousers or the bands? I'm not quite sure. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, wish I, could, I wish I could get into them, I tell you. Well, that would be a sight to behold. Mm. Okay, number nine for me, uh, another great, perhaps the great Glasgow album, along with Walk Across the Rooftops. It's Deacon Blues. Uh, oh, 
And with the, uh, with, the, with the view from the chicken run at the art school there, I think. Exactly. I think that's the view. Uh, Oscar yeah. Mazzaroli uh, picture, I and mean, you know, you can yeah. hang that in your wall quite easily. Absolutely. And I mean, Deacon Blue, uh, it was quite interesting. Um, I was on Twitter and Colin McCready had put up the poster for Deacon Blue and Fairground Attraction at the Barras, saying that was his mm -hmm. first gig. He came through, bar, first Barras gig, he came through from Perth for it. And that was my first Barras gig. Um, oh. in I think 87 maybe but uh, Raintown uh, it's a what a debut album I mean it, it's it's an incredible record it, it's not perfect I don't I think Chocolate Girl's not a brilliant song or whatever but it's got songs like um, like Raintown itself like Dignity which is again another virtually a national anthem uh, the very thing loaded great songs and uh, a, a They've continued to make um, really interesting music across, or not even interesting music, because some people say it's not experimental, it's not, but they write great songs and, mm -hmm. you know, are just a band that right from the beginning had the sound that they wanted to make spot on. And as I said at the beginning, we were going to talk about the albums that we played the most during this time, and I played the mm -hmm. arse off of uh, Rain Town. I think mm -hmm. it's a great record. Mm -hmm. And I will... Yeah. You defend uh, Deacon Blue to anyone who uh, wants to take me up on to task yeah. on it. I've seen Ricky Ross play live uh, solo, and uh, he's just so charismatic. You know, he can just, uh, you know, it's, we had a video of them, didn't we, Ali, when they're yeah. at their peak, and it just couldn't take your eyes off the band and the, and the chemistry between the, the singers and stuff. Oh, sometimes. the chemistry between um, Ricky and Lorraine was incredible. Mm. Um, mm. One of the great um, front twos, if you like, of, of, mm -hmm. of pop music. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they were a proper band. Everyone was playing their part. Uh, mm -hmm. And the first, I think the first two albums are superb, really. In mm -hmm. fact, the first three albums, in fact, I could go on and on and on because I, they're a band mm -hmm. I've, I've stuck with right through to now. They've just released a new one mm -hmm. uh, recently. Mm -hmm. They write great songs and, uh, are a, and are a truly great band, I think. Cool. Um, so we're down to our last choice, I believe. Right, I've kept my Desert Island disc for last. Well, good on you. You, you know what it is. I do know what it is, but like before we get there, I should say I've yeah. been doing mine in kind of chronological order. Um, so ah. Other order than that. ah, yeah, quite clear. El, El Fascisti. El right, Fascisti. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, like, let's reveal all. Right, so to, to those of you who are listening, uh, it's Big Country's The Crossing. Oh, the red uh, there, version. You know, the red version, which uh, Stuart sent me uh, down, uh, which, not Stuart Adamson. <laughs> I was going to say um, Stuart Buchanan. Yeah, Stuart Buchanan. Um, uh, very kind of him. But um, so this is, this is just, I've got loads of these lying about. I've got, I've got CDs and cassettes and you know and it was just at the right time for me you i think you had um steel town alley i think i got I think steel town on the day it came out i remember it was yeah. one of those albums that i did it with um, frankie goes to hollywood as well so you know yeah ups and downs right. but uh, yeah. i i went to hmv uh on um not garden street whatever it was anyway i went to hmv and there was the queue for it to open, you know, big mm -hmm. deal. Mm -hmm. There was new and mm -hmm. got Steel Town on the day it came out, and mm -hmm. it was a fantastic mm -hmm. record. And yeah, Gatefold Sleeve, the Gatefold Sleeve, beautiful album. Yeah. But mm -hmm. um, but the crossing. But anyway, probably yeah. 
Well, I would say, I've, you know, that in amongst the, 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 the big country uh, podcasters and so forth, uh, who are all uh, kind of pals now, I suppose, there's this constant to and forth between which one's better. And I don't, I think they're totally different. This is like, yeah, they are. It's, like it's like town and country. This is the country record. That's the town record. But um, this, again, has that kind of boy's own quality, the kind of... Uh, big adventures. I think one of the journalists described it as um, dramas played out under laden skies or something. You know, it's that sound of, you know, potential adventure and uh, this kind of boy's own imagery, which I loved. And um, yeah, I just, I thought I would get sick of this. And I've gone through times where I've put it aside for a while, but I've never, recently I can play this I play it several times a week at least and still enjoy it and uh, the guitar sounds are just incredible the drumming Mark Brzezicki's uh, drumming or Mark Brzezicki uh, his drumming is incredible on it um, Tony Butler's bass playing is incredible on it they were both prog they came out of the prog circuit and they were both mm-hmm. guns for hire uh, the original big country had a different lineup. And then they, they, they got Mark and Tony in with Bruce Watson on rhythm guitar. Just just a, very much a four-legged table, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it Which didn't is the best work. Yeah. Well, that's right. Oh, no. You could have um, a three-legged table, couldn't you? You could. But uh, what a live band as well. I mean, if you think it would go back to our uh, uh, teenage cassette tapes, uh, Watching the watching the live footage of them playing yeah. the Barrowlands is what yeah. incredible, yeah. incredible. Well, you know, I mean, I would watch those things before I went to school just to get me in the zone before I went to school. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy the school, but um, that's not true. But you know what I mean? It would get you ready to go out and do your thing. So, yeah, I mean, they meant so much to me at, at the right time. So that's, that again, a band that I would just I'd, I'd fight you. Fight you fight you if you say you didn't like them. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, well, my 10th to round this off. Uh, now, I probably should have picked a Rattlesnakes, but I've gone with the greatest hits. Oh, one of their greatest hits album, but 1984 to 1989. It's Lloyd Cole and the Commissions. Yeah. Um, Rattlesnakes is their great record, their debut, but... What they went on to do, I mean, the, the next Easy Pieces and Mainstream are both cracking albums. That was the mm-hmm. three they did as the commotions. Great songs right through. Um, you had uh, Lloyd himself, Blair Cowan, Lawrence Donegan, Neil Clark, and Stephen Irvin. They were a proper band. It wasn't just Lloyd Cole and some mm-hmm. blokes. You know, the commotions were a, were a, a proper uh, band. and But Lloyd Cole for me, was probably my favourite songwriter of the uh, 80s. Only challenged, I would say, by um, maybe Paddy McAloon and some bloke called Stephen Morrissey. I don't know whatever happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Not shocker. Whatever became yeah. of him. Eh? But yeah, uh-huh. that kind of really um, literary uh, lyric that Lloyd, mm-hmm. some people would have turned their nose up and went, this is pretentious mm-hmm. pish. But I loved it mm-hmm. as someone who is, mm-hmm. you know, loves his pretentious fish. Uh, I love, I love pretentious fish myself. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and uh, uh-huh. I just love 
Lloyd Cole, still to this day, I mean, last year he released the album Guessworks, which is one of the finest mm. records of last year. Um, I've seen him live many, many times over the years. And yeah, he, I'm a bit of a fanboy. Um, mm. And I couldn't not talk about the great, or, or the, the albums that influenced uh, me um, from the 80s uh, and before 1990 without talking about Lloyd Cole. So if you haven't mm. seen that, that's the... Uh, one of the greatest hits, I think it was the first greatest hits, and it's 1984 to 1989, and it's got some brilliant songs on it. And as you see, Andy, the gatefold sleeve is there. They all are. Nice. Oh, oh, it's so pretty, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, of course. And he would go on to do great solo stuff too, but I still like to go back to the the old Commotions records. No doubt about it. Mm. Well, we've just about got through, Andy. Um, I thought it was going to take us about three hours to begin with, but we've we clawed it back. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we go, I've got a wee treat for you. Uh, I was looking through the old vinyl and found this. Yeah, man. Yeah, the, that's the first album you bought, isn't it, with your own money? I think that might be. And the stickers are from a, a, an American Airfix plane, which I added myself. So for those listening uh, to the podcast, just audio only, it's Tony Basil's uh, word of mouth. And underneath it is the record, the video, because I think it was one of the first play things that they released the video for all, all the songs all the at the songs. same time as they did the, the album. Well, it has Mickey, obviously, on it, but it yeah. has other wee songs like yeah, My Little Red Book and things like that. And they're, they're really, uh, back. like I say, I enjoyed it. Hanging around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got, well, time after, it's got time after time on it. It's not the time after I think, time. No, no, it's, I think it's a different time okay. after time. But anyway, just because I, I was looking for the albums to look through tonight, and I went, oh, look at that. Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a cracker. Not bad. Not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I hope you've enjoyed doing this. I did, yes. Aye, totally. Excellent. Mm. Uh, we might what do something next? similar mm. uh, in the future, even if it's just for our, mm. ourselves. But uh, yeah. thanks very much for it, Andy. And um, this is our first Zoom podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Hopefully, I'm going to be doing quite a few more with, um, hopefully, people that are completely different. But if not, just me and my brother again. Um, mm. And I'll see Cheerio. Take care, Andy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And See uh, you we'll later. Be, we'll be back very, very soon. Cheers. Bye. Mm-hmm.